0: who makes you uncomfortable every one of those faces reveal god
1: we have to remember our past and recount the things that god has done for us and then that gives us faith to keep going to where he wants us to be
0: all right 10 a.m mountain center time colorado we should be going live here blaine hey everybody who's tuning in uh nice to be doing this from the road Nobody commented on that. I was actually expecting more anyone to maybe give me some grief for not fully disengaging for vacation. But I have clearly a sense of like duty and obligation. But when I say the first Thursday of every month, we're live streaming, that means we're live streaming. So um, I am currently in the great state of Minnesota. And uh, have been for a week and will be for another week. And there's no way uh, they're not going to be hearing this. There are, I'm blessed with an abundance of nieces and nephews. And so I think that there are 10 children, some of whom are my own downstairs. And, um, you know, maybe this will end up being like a bonus episode for Patreon members only. Um, because, sorry, Barry. For when you get the the audio recording of this, um, Barry and Alan may decide. Sam, I don't know what to do about all of the screaming voices and the lawnmower going. And you sure you couldn't have found a quieter place? And to them, I will say, no, no, I I could not. So we'll see. You know, if this one ever ends up seeing the light of day beyond um, coming to you guys live. So you know, it's nice to have a little bit of uh, behind the
1: sound seeking aliens. Sam's Minnesota extended family. Aliens? It's uh, a quiet place reference, which I have not seen because I do not like tense movies. Oh, I
0: gotcha. Okay. Well, (laughs) Helen did try to convince me to take a recorder on vacation. He's like, this is gonna be great. You're gonna do like a in the moment, play by play, how to navigate vacations with family. How do we like fight for our own peace and life? And I think in the moment that sounds like a really good idea. And then, and then wow. I began thinking about like what vacation with family is and how they might think about them being treated like a real time science experiment and how I would have to explain that to my wife after the fact like, yeah, man, oh, we had a rough conversation or oh, we had a long day or we had a great conversation. And I would go outside and like, take notes like I'm a bird watcher. Um, so yeah, no, I decided not to do that. I wouldn't felt like I wasn't born yesterday, but uh, day before the day before that. So, you know, I only missed the very obvious iceberg level conflicts that I could potentially avoid.
1: I was going to begin today's podcast with a story. So we have bought the farm without dying. And... Uh, I'm now living outside of town, and it is a diamond-in-the-rough piece of land with not very much on it, and we have been working kind of around the clock to first make the house operational, habitable, and then to solve some quick issues. Like, you know, when you move into a new house, it's like, what is causing immediate damage to the property? And can we just triage that? Can we stop the bleed? And then we'll make decisions about what we want to do. And the pressing uh, threats to this property are that it's eroding before my eyes because most of the buildings don't have gutters and there's no earthworks of any kind. So like water runs off the house, falls right onto the kind of you know, uh, the raised pad on which the house was built, which is road base and filled dirt, and it just washes it away down the road. So there was a storm last week, and I was like, I'm going to use this storm as an opportunity. I'm going to go outside with an umbrella, walk around, and just see what happens to the property when it rains.
0: Yeah, what <laughs> uh, an opportunity. Cool.
1: And I was like, walk, taking a lap around, and it was like, I was watching on the side of the garage <laughs> the dirt just get like swept away. And after the storm I could see more of the concrete pad that the garage was on and it was like, okay, today's task, learn how to install gutters. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So
0: like real time jumping from pressing need to pressing need. Yes.
1: Tyranny of the urgent. And I stepped out on the porch in the middle of this several days ago, and we are quite a ways out there in the country. And there's a cattle ranch on the other side of the road, and I saw this mass of something moving on a distant hill and went, are are those cows? I don't think so. And I'm like squinting, looking, you know, making eye binoculars, trying to figure out what this is because it was pretty far off. And all of a sudden, I realized it was a herd of elk, coming down into this alfalfa field. And elk are about the last thing that I expected to see. <laughs> like, out east of town and kind of the rolling mole, wandering
0: out of the woods with political signs. I mean, oh, be more creative.
1: But there was other things you would least expect to see. So if I had your braid, <laughs> I, would, I would probably push the envelope a little bit. But you know, it's like antelope, deer, birds, uh, certainly not elk and it and there was this panic moment of, oh my gosh, I have to get everyone to see this right now. You know, run right inside. Ah, Emily, stop what you're doing, come outside! And being like, this moment, you see where I'm going here? Nope. Oh, leading up to this moment is too much to bear until Someone sees it with me until it has a witness. Can I get a witness? Y'all. Yeah, yeah. Is that an old DC talk song, I think? Honestly, um, I'm not taking another musical risk
0: this episode because I've definitely... we
1: living, we're living, we're living in extreme day, 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 day. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, that, that sounds spot on. Tie that one together, the elk and the rainwater. Like you it was a rainwater just to set up this scenario of what... Life regular,
1: yeah, that was to, um, add, to add texture. No, it was like, so there I was in the just kind of in the middle of Nose to the Grindstone and then something happened that got my attention yeah. and it was awesome and a great moment and it introduced the interesting burden that <laughs> something noteworthy introduces... When there's no one else to see it.
0: Yes, totally. Oh, I I know, I know this feeling. I know the feeling of of sharing things. Susie and I uh, have a term that we call "eternal moments." We didn't we didn't come up with the term at first until probably like I want to say six years into marriage. So we had a few a few passes around the sun, a few, a few stories to look back on. And we started noticing that certain memories were like branded into our memory and into the the fabric of who we see each other, who we see our marriage as a unit to be. And we, we called those the eternal moments because we could sit there and go, Oh, do you remember when And you're right back there. They're the kind of moments that you're describing where not only are they mutual and shared, but they're shared to a degree where you feel like you've actually aligned fully for that moment. So by way of example, one of them would be, I think, what, four years ago now, um, we got to go to Hawaii, North Shore of Kauai. One thing that we love to do is take those two-person sea kayaks out at night past the reef and into the rollers. And to do that with my wife, while looking at the lights on the shore and the stars above, and you just feel the ocean moving you, swelling you with these giant rollers. um, It's unnerving. It makes you feel really, really, really small. Um, There's something about experiencing God for me in that. And I love these moments. The, the eternal one's not necessarily the one out on the roller because I feel like moments where Susie and I really do become of one mind. We really do become of one shared memory. And there's this moment of um, like this collective that we actually look back on as these like anchor points for our story. So when you begin to begin to touch on what's it like to be seen and observed and to share these moments, I go, Oh, they're really powerful ones. Are like the tip of the iceberg for me that helped me then reveal how much I need that. I think of Dan Allender uh, years ago. And maybe he's written it down somewhere, but he said this for the the course I was doing with him that observing each other, being a witness to each other's lives, particularly within the context of marriage and friendship, is one of the great dignities, one of the things that we're called to. And I don't think I fully understand what that means yet, but we're definitely learning more of the implications of it.
1: Yes. Perfect story, Sam. (laughs) That's the territory exactly where we were talking about. That's the need. Those stories are such pivotal moments. What happens when there are no witnesses? You know, we, because what we often do before we record an episode uh, is try to think of the conversations, the thematic conversations we've had over the last couple of weeks. Yep. And one that I've had is that many of the guys that listen to this podcast, certainly you guys who are watching, are in very unique seasons where they are taking risks. They are stepping into something. They are engaging their own heart. This is a significant time. And most of them are not being seen in the way that they are designed by God to be. Those moments are meant to be distributed onto a community of witnesses. And most of the time, we don't actually have that. And so my elk story with Em, there was partial relief over like, oh, she can come out. We can see them we can have actually a wonderful moment together. And that is sort of the exception to my life right now, where I am stepping into uh, a new place, stepping into a variety of new things. And most of the time I'm literally, you know, an hour outside of town with no one else around. And uh There are no witnesses to my external world, let alone to my internal world.
0: Yep. Yep. And actually, there's a lot about our culture that... that Our, like, subculture within Anson's that we like to try to, like, stop some of that from happening because the the moment in the grander popular culture of social media, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, the news, whatever it is, uh, just... Um, it's exhausting and there is a lot of, I think, I think the question, do you see me and as what I'm doing enough Is, is, is my work enough? Is my travel, like whatever it is. Um, and I think a lot of us innately feel like if you're asking that question, which I think we all are, there's a degree to which we all feel like the answer is no. Right. Like, uh, all the studies on how people feel when they come away from interacting with social media, interacting with uh, just the infinite scroll of everyone else's highlights and achievements. You sort of go like, well, don't have that house, don't have that car, don't have that body, don't have that smile, which for that person is just infinite because it's a still image. Like you've no idea what's going on behind the scenes. And you go, Okay, and some subcultures say, get away from that. Don't worry about it. You don't actually want that. Like if there's health in in saying that doesn't matter. And if we're gonna take our 20s and 30s seriously, there's a dignity to a lot of that being below the surface. And we wanted to set that pace of, okay, how do you how do you see really good heart, soul work and the fruit of it in the short term. Like, show me, show me what that is. And, and if we believed that we wouldn't have had the Dave Weitmiller quote as the intro grandsons Ransons so long, like, show me the thing that's worth
1: having. That doesn't take a lot of work and comes quickly. It's like, oh, that's so important. You just make my mind where it goes like, right. Social media Social media is born from the desperate desire to be seen and witnessed. But we like making distinctions on this show and in this culture. <laughs> you know, we talked several episodes ago about a testimony is not a story. A testimony is an experience that's shared to validate a claim about the world and to go, yeah, yeah, yeah. Voyeurism is not witnessing. Social media is like, hey, is someone who watches you through the kitchen window? witnessing your life or are they a voyeur? And what the difference is, is that the witness, we have to bring it back again into the legal context. This is someone who actually helps to determine the nature of the event. And so you can share a story and go, hey, I saw a car accident. And to be, that's not the same thing as, hey, I have to be a witness to a car accident case.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Something has happened. And once you are a witness, you are actually trying to help everyone involved figure out what happened. I think that's how it is in our lives, or it's like, yeah, I, I am so not immune to trying to figure out ways to be seen and heard that don't work.
0: Yes. Oh, oh, oh! The pain. <laughs> I don't even want to go into it because because it's all so fresh, right? Like to, But I'll I'll give you I'll give it to you vaguely, and I'll let everybody just drop in their own stuff.
1: <laughs> I'm gonna ask follow up questions to figure you know, out
0: what this vacation real time stuff. But like outing myself here, like how much of my own, how much How much of like a day of interactions with Susie, my wife, of interacting with my kids or interacting with strangers, interacting with friends I haven't seen in a while, interacting with extended family. How much of those am I genuinely practicing curiosity and trying to see them and trying to see the story well and offer that as one option? And how much of the time am I trying to finagle their view of me or trying to trying to make them into witnesses of me, whether they want to be or not. And, oh, who uh, real? <laughs> that one that's just like, uh, <clears throat> I'll let you all um, have your own answer to that because like it, I would hope it's not all the time. But I feel like the pull that I felt when I graduated from my undergrad. 150 years ago now. um, It's been a decade. um, I remember feeling like I needed to build like a literal pyramid and carve my name on the side to go, like, now I am seen. Now, now you can, everybody can be a witness and, and like force that on everybody else to be like, here is what Sam Eldridge has done. And I don't feel that same urge anymore on the grand, but I'm wondering just how much I feel it on like the small where I'm inviting other people to try and see things from my perspective. And I'm in like this trajectory of, um, you know, going to school and and wanting to be able to offer the, the, the gift of listening and counseling and, and therapy to others. And yet I'm aware of how many conversations with Susie are I'm trying to get her to see it from my perspective. But what I'm going to do first is offer her the gift of seeing it from her perspective, and then can I sit there with my arms crossed? Like, if you're a decent person, yeah, are you going to reciprocate yeah. it right and now? Leap and go. Oh, thank you for seeing it from my perspective first, and I don't know how I missed it from your perspective. It's so obvious now. Look at what you've been doing. Look at, and it's like, um, I. Uh, I hope that's not all the time, um, but I'm aware that it is, it is often, right? If I don't feel like I have that witness up in a stand going, I see you. I see what's going on. I hear that. I see the story. I see what's happening. Um, I might try and take somebody and throw them up there whether they want to be there or not. Be like, Hey, this is what's happening. You need to listen. You need to see me. And there's a lot of tools to get them there.
1: Yes. Oh my gosh. One, we have this need to be witnessed. And witnessing is not voyeurism. Witnessing is someone helping us figure out our own life. When it's not met, it hurts. And you're talking about like, oh man, I do those things. I think one of the the predominant ways that my desire to be seen and heard expresses itself is actually just in low-level resentment if I don't pay attention if I'm not careful. For sure. And and why is it that when someone is telling me something about their life, I'll feel this weight come into my shoulders and go, it is embarrassing but real to say that the weight is, why didn't you ask me about that? I have a ton to say about that.
0: (laughs) only people would listen to me, their lives
1: would be so much better. Oh, it's for real. Um, Here's an unwitnessed area for me, is having Jesus, which by the way, we're not trying to force him to be witnesses here. I'm going to give an example. But one of the things is like, uh, has been an invitation from God to really find God. uh, One place that I do, which is reading about the ancient world. (laughs) And so often... Recently, when I'm listening to other podcasts, I'll start to feel kind of sad uh, because, you know, the interesting thing is like, guys, if you think that having a podcast scratches this itch, it doesn't. Because if I treated it as my place to be seen and heard all the time, you would hate it, rightly so. It would be nauseating. Yes. And there are things that I would love to be heard talking about. Mm-hmm. or to share that don't have a context. So when I hear another podcast and I feel like they get to talk about those things, I'm like, why don't I get to be a part of that? Why can't I be on this? You should talk to me. And there, There's real pride involved, but not only. Yeah. Like there is also the, it looks like you're getting what I really want, mm-hmm. which is to have someone like admiration is surrogate love, right? And I was like, I want to be admired, but underneath the admiration is like, I want to have someone see the reading that I'm doing and go, way to go, Blaine. That's it.
0: Yeah, um, because this is live and you're breaking it afterwards. Ian, you are commenting on a piece that is, that this, this is part of where the conversation is going. You're spot on, man. Like the comparison piece. So it's the Olympics right now and i'm loving it like i don't actually have the ability to watch anything live so i'm getting all like the snippets on youtube and i'm watching you know the track and field events and the swimming events and and then like the the 10 meter like air rifle which is a thing and the x games type stuff which somehow got in there i don't know like it's all over the map these days but it doesn't matter what event it is i'm i'm loving it and i'm i i watch it and i get inspired and stoked, particularly with the track and field stuff. I mean, like, I don't know, show me somewhere they can watch like the four by one as these guys are just shredding down the track with the baton. What it does for me is I go like, oh, that's awesome. I wish I could do all of these things the same, (laughs) at the same level. Like, Sam, you just really learned how to swim like in a forward direction. Okay. In the last couple of years why is it that you think you should be one of these guys who apparently doesn't have like an ounce of body fat on them screaming for their latest gold medal win? It's like, well, I don't know, but I was just chatting with uh, our buddy Scott Moran the other day talking about how this got into like our love of triathlon is one part rhythm and this structure for our health and finding joy and one part identity and another part, massive comparison of like, I, every time I go to do a race, I have a conversation with the people that I'm doing it with. And I'm like, it goes like this. I'm just going to have fun. And, and then I get on the start line and I'm like, I have to win. And I don't yes. like, I, I don't know where that jump gets in, but I finished and I've gotten several, um 16th places out of 17 and several fourth places out of 30 and the fourth place ones make me so mad and Susie will be like you're a dad you work full-time you do this on the side your bike isn't even a tri-bike you have bolt-on aero bars You, you you're mad that you didn't podium I'm like well yeah because they did and clearly, if they're, they're seen standing up there, they have X. There's always going to be somebody better, even for the people in the Olympics. Because even if they won gold this year, did they break the Olympic record? Did they break the world record? Are they the highest of all time forever? Or is that, that need still going unmet? This category of... I will be the best. I will have the conversation. Let me take it into another area where this manifests for me. And may, I'm curious if I'm alone in this, but we like, will have to be, you'll answer me, and then in 30 seconds, maybe some folks watching live can answer me. Um, when I'm in a group, in like a class, or uh, we'll do these Socratic scripture studies, it doesn't really, really, really matter. As long as it's a group context, and an answer is asked, like, what do you think the author is meaning in this moment? Or... Does anybody know why this country did this thing at this time? again, all over the map. There people will offer ideas. Maybe I'll raise my hands. I'll throw something out there. Uh, it doesn't really matter. What happens is once the expert gives the answer, I feel this moment inside of me where I go, Ugh, I wish I could go back in time now with that answer and deliver it perfectly. Am I alone in like does anybody else have that moment after like the correct the, like well-phrased thing is given or you go, man, now that I know that, I want like the 10 second time travel device where I can just go, bloop, bloop. I'm awesome, and here it is. <sighs>
1: uh no. Sometimes even years after the fact, right? <laughs> you you have those moments lying awake at night, 1130. I do. I'm back in high school, like give it- <laughs> I'm thinking again of symptoms and you know, there are all these levels of like wanting to be seen to be great, wanting to be seen in your glory, but it's everything else too. It's wanting to be seen in your pain. It's wanting to be seen in what the season is requiring of you. And we're naming some things that don't work. And just to go again, like the comparison piece is important because Nothing will build resentment faster than being convinced that other people are getting what you wish you had. And so like, I'm just telling you, most of the single guys I know think that married people have it. And it's like, yes, kind of. It is a huge benefit. Absolutely. And also then marriage becomes, you know, one of the, most intense things that you do, and no one sees your midnight conversations with your wife. no one sees the the successes and the failures and the effect i I just know like drop some first names, but like uh I know that Michael, you are chasing a dream, and it is crazy. I know that <laughs> some people have very Revealing first names, but I'm like, I know that some people are going to school. I know that some people are suffering, and that nobody gets this on this side of eternity perfectly, and no one gets it fully apart from God. And I think that the main effect in me is bone deep exhaustion, where it's good yes there's a theres there's a weight to positive experience, and you have to come see these elk then there's certainly a weight to the who man uh, there's certainly a weight to negative experience there's certainly a weight to risk and to long suffering there's a weight to the uncertainty of our seasons, and right now, I feel it build up I feel the fatigue of not having someone come in to be a witness to help me figure out the nature of my season to see how I'm doing and be a part of it and it expresses itself as deep fatigue yes
0: yep I'm thinking of like how we always it's a little it's not the comparison podcast episode part 400 you know but there's there's an element as you're naming in the marriage piece where the single guys I know look at um, the married guys I know as having the answer. And among the married guys, they, they seem to even be pointing at other marriages and having the answer. Um, if it's not easy and I have yet to meet somebody where the marriage is completely
1: easy. All yeah. What's right. some other factor like, the money that another marriage has, or the school that another marriage has, or the house that another marriage has, that makes their marriage work some magical way, easier, better,
0: more loving. they're probably having more sex. Their metabolism is just faster um, for for some reason, they have something that's easier and or better usually both, and you, whatever it's. And I'm just I'm struck by like um, one of like the great aches and problems with and therefore a lot comes of this but it's actually really beautiful as we reach for connection. But one of the great aches and problems is like we all are just trapped in our own minds. We use the same words, but do we mean the same things when we say them? And I would say speaking of like the most intimate relationship, my marriage, certainly not. I will <laughs> I will say a sentence and I will think it means one thing and Susie will hear something completely different and I'll be like Ugh. Why don't you? Why don't you think of the memory that I think of when I say the, this word? Why don't you feel the shame that I feel about the thing when we drive past that place? And nobody's gonna feel it. Nobody's gonna be like in that moment, which is why I love those eternal moments so much, where everything else falls away, and it does feel like we get to just finally, like, really be seeing eye to eye for a, a blip, and then go back to this. This life of like kind of trying to piece it together, kind of trying to be like it's like we're doing a puzzle, but like the other person has pieces and they're trying to tell me how to do it on my side and can't see their side. And when I'll meet with a a guy trying to talk about marriages, again we're we're using the same words, but I don't have twenty four seven eyes on their marriage. I don't want to. And therefore, it's even like hard to learn about what the pain is really, because when people come over, I certainly put on my best face. I put on like, we're good, we're fine, unless it's a closer relationship and I'll open the door to, this is hard, this has been a tough season, or this is a new area that God's calling us into. And even in that, even in that raw honesty, there's a little bit of like, but do you mean exactly what... I?" What, do you understand exactly what I'm saying? Do, do the words mean what I am, what I'm meaning to you? And probably not. And so this, there's, there's this whole swirl of like, um, in in some senses, I feel very isolated, even in the places where I feel a lot the closest relationship, because because even there I feel that exhaustion, that bone deep exhaustion that you're naming of, um, oh. You still can't fully see the world, the the pain, the and therefore you can't fully witness me as I want to be, and and that creates some really deep longing and some really deep exhaustion and some really deep like I don't I don't want to then therefore like give up in the in the sake of those really. Those really intimate relationships, and go ah well. Since it isn't possible, like I'm gonna stop trying, and I, I'm gonna somehow uh, cauterize that ache to be seen. Because I think what it's actually pulling us towards is this space in heaven that we're meant to be at, where I see you, I know you, I know where you are from. It those eternal moments become not just little blips, but they become our, our lived and shared experience in this space. To explore them. And I don't like longings that can't be met because <laughs> a lot of things that want to say, ah, bang. I'll try and solve that for you.
1: <laughs> I don't like longings that can't be met. That's a quote. Uh, hashtag AdSense Magazine. <laughs> Volume seven. It's a longing that can't be met. However. And the however I think works in order. However, you cannot abandon the portion that's available through people. We've done podcasts on Ebenezer moments. We've done podcasts on rituals of celebration. There are ways to witness partially. There are ways to be seen partially. I invited some guys over for a cigar after my last full-time day at Wild Heart and just went, hey guys, um, I'd love to have a cigar to mark the experience. And it was partial. Not everyone was free. In fact, very few people could actually show up and hey, sorry, I've got an hour. And for me to go, I'll take it, I'll take it. Because I know already that it's not going to work And so to go, don't stop trying for the part that's available in relationship. And then the next piece, I am learning real time here that the piece of being witnessed by God, the piece of being surrounded by a cloud of witnesses, it is helpful. It's fine to know about, to know that it exists, but it doesn't do what it's meant to do without deliberate engagement. And so there's just it's uh, one exercise played out two different ways that I'd like to recommend here that I've found to be sometimes very helpful. And in fact, when I've it asked <laughs> some some of the men in our church about it recently, it's been enough to make them, you know, look away, blinking, at tears, being like, ha, 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 don't ask that question. But to go in, and here it is, in your imagination, uh, engage what it is like to have God the Father in your season with you. And the way that I, I, there are two, like, places that are most helpful for me. And one is, it's the end of a typical day in my season. And I look out the window and I see that uh, unannounced, just dropping by. Here's the father. I, for me, he's always like in a truck uh, because that's the language of my heart. And he, and he's rolling up just to check in to, Uh, hear how I'm doing to be caught up and then to hang and to spend an evening together and to go there in my imagination to go. So when I go downstairs and he's letting himself in, what does his face look like? What is his body language like? Is he stressed? Is he mad? Does he have something on his mind? Is he relaxed? Is he happy? Like for me to put, to like, keep going there, return in my imagination to here's the father and what is he putting off? And very often I'll be like, Oh, uh, his shoulders are really relaxed. He's not worried about what's happening. He is very attentive, maybe more than I would like than I can bear to what's going on. And I often find that when I go there and spend some time imaginative prayer, going like, and that the questions that come up are very simple. They're not like, "What you know, how do I handle the demands of this season? They're more like, am I doing okay? And what is with some of my close friends right now? What is with And it's like, oh, it's pretty simple. It's pretty low key. And to go, Father, I know you're witnessing me. Another one that I like to do is I come down in the morning and God the Father is already has his coffee and he's at the table and he's the one who looks up and sees that I'm coming into the kitchen and his expression is asking me, what's up? What's your day about today? And what usually comes out of my heart is, I don't know how to live today. What should I? This is what I'm thinking of doing. What's what's important? What's my priority? What should I do first? Oh, collapse onto the table, and in my need to have him see that, be in the season, be bearing with. So two questions. The first, why do you
0: think? that exercise makes most of the guys you do it real time with start to tear up.
1: I think that we are desperate for the father's attention. And that when we actually go there, it's very vulnerable and intense. It's not like, oh, what a cool idea. It's like, That's what I want so bad. I want the father to roll up to my house in the evening to be there to hang out and get caught up and talk and help out with stuff. And I'm afraid that he's not available. I'm afraid that he's disappointed. That is a very emotionally Intense territory, and I think that that the guys in my world, <laughs> I know, feel the same way. It's like, ah, ha, 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 ha. oh my gosh, mm-hmm. that's what I want, uh, but also that's what I'm afraid I don't have, or won't work, or, um, or any of a number of things that actually make that hard to do. You
0: know? Yeah, and therefore, the second question is: Is this something you want to encourage? the guys listening to try and do and to do slowly and if if so like what's the what's the pacing of that what's the space to engage it
1: yeah good question yes absolutely and yeah I think that where I would recommend it Let's do it just because most people listen to podcasts in their car. Like, here's a version that you can do. And you can do uh as you're driving along, <laughs> your phone rings. And it is God, it is the Father, and He is calling to check in. Mm.
0: I like the in-person ones better. So can I, can I tweak it a little bit? Like yeah. you get to wherever it is you're currently going and you've got some time before your next thing. And when you pull up, the door opens in the passenger side and the father climbs in. Now keep going.
1: Much better. The father comes into the car and in these exercises, notice how you feel. How does your body respond to God the Father climbing into the passenger seat? Do you feel tension in your shoulders? Do you feel relief? Do you feel fear? Do you feel anger? How do you feel? And when you identify what you feel to God the Father being there, let that place have a voice because that's probably the place that most needs. To talk. And it, for me, that voice recently uh, has been pretty afraid that the father is just going to be disappointed in how things are going. So when it's like the father gets into the car and I tune into how I feel, I am bracing. And the question that comes up for me is, What do you, what, why are you here? What's up? What do you want? And then it's give voice to the, give voice, give voice. Then pay attention, to, let your, the eyes of your imagination go to the father's face and go, How does he look? What is his expression like? And what i see that shocks me the most is that the first thing i usually notice is how relaxed he is very attentive but not concerned not in a he he does not live like i do in a state of emergency <laughs> and when you see that what is he there to ask you and Usually that will just come up. What is he there to ask you? Is it, how's it going? Is it just good to see you? Is it just, where are you headed? And when he does, let your heart ask the next question. Ask the question that you find your heart asking back. And I think that for me, the question is often in this season, is this going okay? What is the deal? Am I on track? What is happening? And then go, father, speak to that, but respond. What does he say to that? And then at the end, Just sit for a while, take a full minute or two to feel what it feels like to have the father be with you in your car. What does, how does the atmosphere of the car feel when the father is in it? And as you can, let the different layers of you kind of sink into that. Like when my body finally relaxes, I'm able to let my soul tune into the Father's here. And I'm, let, I'm able to slowly let relaxation come into my soul. <laughs> to let the relief of, oh my gosh, you you really hear, come into my soul. And I'm able to tell myself, this is real. This is real. Let this reality... Have God being in this season with me saturate me.
0: That's good. I think it's an exercise that I want to try and do as well. And I'm aware. Maybe this is old hat for you listening, but maybe it's maybe it's not, and it feels it needs needs to be stated. Um, we have learned God. Mostly through our parents, and so when when we think of the door opening in the passenger seat and and the father climbing in, it's really hard for that not to be some mixture of your earthly father and what you think that means about God, and so that's also a category of I'm aware of it for myself. It's like, oh, you're God, but you're also dad, and. I'm like, I'm I'm already doing the war of okay, Jesus points to a lot of ways that you are a really good father. And yet we're we're back in the deep waters of the performance disappointments. Who who am I having a conversation with? Do I really feel like you've been watching me? Or have I just been letting you down because I haven't done it to your standard, whatever that might be. So as you do this, be aware. And as much as you can, if you are aware, and once you are, try to disentangle that relationship of your earthly parents from what is true of God the Father and and what was communicated through the being of Jesus and what Jesus pointed to. One of the things that I know the, the Eldridge family will... Um, sometimes lament over when we all get together is this line of like, oh, when all stories will be told rightly. And there's this longing that we can as a family all um, lean into. Again, back to this witnessing piece of you may have people really close to you who know you and see you, and you may have these eternal moments. And yet there's still this longing for the true witnessing of all of the moments, all the choices you made that weren't seen, all of the choices that you made for goodness that were hard and didn't bear fruit right away. That might be your whole life. That might be just a decade. That might just be a a single choice. It doesn't matter. And there's a longing for those to be seen and celebrated and held up. And so, that's something of like, the father's sitting in the side of the car and he knows how rightly the story is to be told and who you are being redeemed into being. And that is what's offered and what does your heart do with that?